Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... What is Saul going to do with this opportunity? He knows he's dying. Will he finally cry out to God? Will this be the time that Saul says, Lord, I need to cry out to you. Lord, I need you. Would this be the time where he finally gets right? He knows you're dying. I would love to see Saul here say, man, God, I'm messed up. I would love to see a Psalm 51 scenario here for King Saul where he says, God, I, you were so good to me and I was so bad. Just forget, you know, I would love to see that, but we're not going to see Saul doesn't cry out to God in his last moments. The last person he cried out to was who? A witch. If you were in a life or death situation, who would you go to for help? Would you go to anyone? Would you look to God for comfort or answers? Maybe you would try to take matters into your own hands and find a solution. In today's message, Pastor Bill explains how one of the biggest mistakes Saul made was to not cry out to God in his last moments. Instead of seeking God and asking for forgiveness, he tried to get a witch to somehow delay what was inevitable. He was trying to do what only God can. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 31. As he continues his message, how will you finish? Sometimes the Lord will open doors. Sometimes the enemy will open doors. Doors of distraction, doors to take you away from true purpose, true calling. In the same way, there are times where God will shut doors. And I love the, the Revelation passage where God said, look, the Lord, he, is, he, he opened doors no man can shut. But he also at times will shut doors that no man can open. And sometimes uh, the Lord does that for our own good. I believe in David's case here, the Lord for his own good shut this door and did not allow him. I, I just can't even imagine because in just a moment, David's best friend is getting ready to get killed in this war. Imagine the baggage David would have carried. I mean, out on the battlefield, and there's Jonathan with my guy. What do, you, what do you even do here, right? How torn would he have been? How conflicted would he have been? I, the Lord spared him uh, a travesty. And I, I, I just, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm thanking God for David. Like, Lord, you're so good when you don't let things happen that we would have we just foolishly gone ahead if you didn't stop us. Thank you for intervening. Thank you that you're sovereign. Thank you that you're, you, even when we're bent, dumb, you know, just bent on doing the sheep, you know, that the Lord, he'll snatch us up and say, oh, yes, I'll break your legs and carry you around for a little bit. So verse two now, then the Philistines followed hard after Saul and his sons and the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadab and Malcheshua, Saul's son. So all three of Saul's sons die at this point. And, and I read this and I think even Jonathan dies. Now here's the interesting thing. The, right, the, the rightful heir to the throne, if Saul, when Saul dies, like the Lord told him he would die this day, would have been Jonathan. And, and if it weren't Jonathan, it would have been one of these other sons. Now, we all know Jonathan would have willingly surrendered over to David, but we don't know about these other two cats. Um, and so there's been enough drama for David about him becoming king. And it may be a mercy of God that God said that we'll just we're, this will be done today. They're, they're all going to it, it had already been told. Saul, you and the, it's all it's all going to end today. So all three of the sons die at this point. And again, I, I think that in the future would alleviate some of the drama about David finally assuming his position as the king of, of Israel. Verse three, it says the battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him and he was severely wounded by the archers. 
Um, so we see, so at this point, Saul is injured. It's a, it's a fatal wound, um, but it's not going to happen quickly. You know, he got hit by the archers. And so he's fatally wounded. But I believe that in this moment here, Saul gets what we would call a, um, a, a deathbed experience, right? Because some people die like this. Boom, it's over with. But some people get that, that opportunity to lay in a hospital bed, knowing you're going to die, knowing that you're dying, but you got some time there. And so, you know, you might see this and think, wow, what's, what's David going to do? Or what's Saul, pardon me, what is Saul going to do with this opportunity? He knows he's dying. Will he finally cry out to God? Will this be the time that Saul says, Lord, I need to cry out to you. Lord, I need you. Would this be the time where he finally gets right? He knows you're dying. I would love to see Saul here say, man, God, I'm messed up. I would love to see a Psalm 51 scenario here for King Saul where he says, God, I, you were so good to me and I was so bad. Just forget, you know, I would love to see that, but we're not going to see Saul doesn't cry out to God in his last moments. The last person he cried out to was who? A witch, a demonic, a, a demon conjuring up witch of indoor. That's the last person he cried out. He's he's not crying out to God even here. So Saul's heart is so hardened. He's even at this moment, he's hit by the archers. We're going to watch a man in fear and desperation and with death looming over that doesn't have the, the thought to cry out to God. He starts trying to figure it out for himself still, even in his death, even at the end of his life. And so he doesn't repent. Let me just say this, right? It is a mercy of God for some people that they find out they're dying before they die. I think that heaven, I think that there's probably a whole section of heaven of people that got hit with some death news and had the opportunity to really contemplate what they're going to do about eternity um, before they die. I've had the privilege as a pastor of the privilege that I've been able to go to bedsides and I've seen people reject God all the way to the end. But I've seen people broken. I've seen people on hospital. I've seen people that I think when I'm looking at them, I think maybe this is what it was going to take for this person to be broken enough to finally submit and surrender. And while the family calls you to pray for, pray to God would heal them. You know, I'm like, this is God is healing him, right? This because now he's going, he's going to die, but he's going to make it to heaven. And um, sometimes that's the best thing that, that God in the brokenness of death, God is doing a deep work in people. And so never, never overlook that. Sometimes every one of us, we, I want everybody to be healed. When I find out somebody I love or care about is sick, I want to be healed. But I never know, God, what you might be doing. What might you be doing through this season of illness are you drawing them close? Are you taking them deeper? Are you revealing to them more? Are you building a testimony? Are you giving them an example? There's so much that God could be doing. We know it's not his will to heal everybody, but we do know that every believer will ultimately be healed. Amen? Nobody, nobody's going to heaven hurting. Nobody's going to heaven with a, you know, you won't be blind, lame, maimed, hurt. Everybody will eventually, every believer will eventually be healed of everything. Um, and so, Rather it's on earth or it's in his presence, uh, we know that we will ultimately be healed. And so, um, so Saul is severely wounded by the archers. Verse four, it says, then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it. Lest the uncircumcised men, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. And so I just want you to consider here now, I'm, I'm not going to 
you know, I, I want to be fair to Saul here. He has a legitimate concern here. Uh, it was a known fact. If you got caught, captured by the enemy, they were going to abuse you. Uh, they were chopping off toes and big thumbs, gouging out eyes, marching you around naked and humiliating you. You were a captured trophy for them. If they could capture him like Samson, you guys remember that when they captured Samson, they didn't kill him. That's how we got him. Ha <laughs> ha. They gouged out his eyes. He was blinded, binded and grinding at the meal. And whenever they had a celebration, man, bring out, bring out Samson that gave us all that trouble, man. Let, let us make fun of him and laugh and, and everything else. And so Saul said, I, I don't want that to happen to me. And so he tells his armor bearer, man, stab me, thrust me through with this. I'm fatally wounded, but I'm not going to die fast enough. Uh, go ahead and kill me. Now, here's the problem with that. So we'll talk about suicide a little bit. Um, is it ever okay to take my life into my hands, right? Um, there's some have thought, you know, well, if you already know you're gonna die and you wanna speed up the process, Dr. Kevorkian type stuff. Life and death belongs to the Lord. If the Lord has given you life, you live that life until that life is gone. Um, it's not the believer as a believer, right? We're not to take our lives. Now, there may be circumstances where a person would want to. Uh, there are people that live with chronic pain and they struggle with thoughts of just not wanting to deal with it anymore. Um, so there are scenarios in this life where people are legitimately, uh, they're, they're vexed and they're struggling. And so we want to pray. We, I don't want to be rude or harsh in, in what I'm saying because I do know people that are, it's a real battle. That's a real, a real place of struggle for them. Um, as believers, though, we, we want to arrive at a place where we say, God, my life's in your hands. Uh, if I'm in pain, God, you know, you, you know better than anybody else the pain that I'm in. God, my life's in your hands. If you would have mercy and reduce the pain, if you're going to give me grace to endure the pain, uh, my life's in your hands. That's where we want to leave our lives as believers. So he asked his armor bearer to thrust him through with the sword. He tells us why. He says, least these uncircumcised Philistines come and thrust me through and abuse me. It says, but his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. I thought that was interesting. Um, as Saul is afraid, so is everybody under his leadership. Right. Um, he's a scared. He's he been scared. And is everybody under his care is afraid. Just his armor bearer is like, I'm not going to do it. He was greatly afraid. This says, therefore, Saul took a sword and he fell on it. And so uh, we would call that suicide, right? We would call that, Saul said, I'm not going to wait for them to kill me. My armor bearer won't do it. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take this into my own hands. And so even at the end of his life, we're looking at a man that doesn't say, Lord, doesn't say God, doesn't look up, doesn't cry out, doesn't, doesn't seek the Lord whatsoever. He's doing it. He's, the way he's been living his life, he's been doing it his way. And that's the way his life ends. It's a man that says, I'm, I'm going to do it my way. I'm, I'm going to end on my own terms. Um, here's the sad thing with this. And um, for anybody here that I, and I, I've dealt with suicide, uh, not me personally. I don't I've never struggled with that, but I've, I've dealt with it in the sense of I've known people that have committed suicide that I personally know. Uh, I've seen the effects and the outfall. I know the reasons that they had in their mind as to why um, I believe that. Um, you know, Saul's situation here is, is one where he probably felt like I'm going to die anyway. And I don't want it to, you know, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to fall into the hands of these guys. Let me, let me hasten my own death. Let me speed this thing up. 
however we slice it, Saul was saying, God, I'm not waiting on you and I don't trust you. And I'm going to take care of this myself. That's what he did. Um, now, there's another story about Saul's death that comes up. So um, we get it in chapter one of, of, of Second Samuel. I'm going to leave that alone completely tonight so that we can talk about it when we get there. So y'all have to come back for that. Um, we'll deal with the story before us tonight. But there's somebody runs up later and says, ha ha, I got some new news. But, you know, if you know, you know, if you don't read ahead. Uh, but at this point, says Saul fell on his own sword. He committed suicide, killed himself. That's what the text says. He Saul uh, took a sword and he fell on it. And it says, and when his armor bearer saw that he was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. So I want you to note this. Even in Saul's last, the last thing he does as a leader, as a king, is he takes his own life and he leads the one guy with him to do what he did. He's still leading, but he's not leading in, he's not leading in faith. He's still leading in fear, right? This is how Saul's been leading. Remember earlier when Saul was afraid and everybody with him was afraid? And, and it's been that that's this the way Saul has been leading because he's he's not trusting God. So let me say this about fear, because there are other men in Scripture that are in worse, dire straits that seem bold and courageous and joyful, even because they're trusting God. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Right. They were threatened. If y'all don't sing this song, if you don't bow down to my image when everybody else does, you guys will be thrown into the burning, hot, fiery furnace and they didn't bow. And then they got a second opportunity. He said, I'm, I'm going to give you all one more time. I heard you didn't bow, but if you do it today, it will be all, we'll be all good. And they said, look, sir. And this, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but you go back and read it for yourself. They said, look, we don't care if you throw us in or not. We're not bowing to your God. Not not going to do it. If we if if we're going to we burn, we burn, but we're not bowing. They, I mean, they took a, such a, a harsh and then they got thrown in. They he, so they got thrown. He, he turned up the fire hotter than ever. The men that walked them down burned up, but they didn't burn. They walked in and the Lord was says it was a fourth image in there with them. The Lord was there with them. The 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 bonds burned off. They weren't sins or burned. The Lord just showed up with them. Again, I read a story like that and I'm thinking, where did that courage come from? These were men that were right with God. And they said, look, even if we die in obedience to God, I'll die in obedience to God before I bow to your silly image. And they meant that because they had to mean it because they got thrown in. And the Lord saw it and he said, oh, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show. This is cool. These guys trusted me like that. I'm going to show up. The interesting thing is this. We don't get this amazing story of God showing up in the fire if these guys punk out, if you will. If they had to say, well, God knows our heart. We're going to bow to the image. And, you know, then we don't get this wonderful. The only reason we see God show up is because they said, God, our lives are in your hands. And, and if we burn, we burn. But we burn in obedience to you. And if you show up, you know, they didn't they didn't they didn't know that was an option. But the Lord showed up and that was pretty cool, you know, that he did. So. Again, we, we see those scenarios. And so we know there's an alternative. Some people will read this and they were like, he had no choice. They were going to abuse him. He was going to die. You don't know that. Faith always says there's room for God in faith. There's a window. There's something. God can do something amazing. We just don't know what it will be. Maybe I will die. Maybe I won't. Right. Faith says, my life, God, my life's in your hands. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to thrust me through, abuse me, humiliate me. But I'm going to go ahead and obey you. I'm going to do 
what I know is right in your eyes. And so I'm encouraging you guys, and we look at what Saul did and say, it's not the way to go. Don't, don't take, it, it, we, we don't ever want to take our own life. Amen? You want to live every day of the life that God gives you until God says it's it. Every one of us has so many days. Our days are numbered. God knows what they are. None of us do. Some of you may live to be hundred something and, you know, real rickety rackety. Some of us, you know, we don't know when and how. We all know that there's an expiration date on this tent that we live in. But if we're born again, we will be forever. Amen. And so there, there's no end on this life. We have everlasting life. But there is an end to the tent. The tent's wearing out and breaking down and, you know, some holes in it and, it's, you know, everything else. So we get it. We get a new one that lasts forever when we get there. So um, we don't want to intervene and jump in front of God when it comes to issues of life. That's taking that's taking another life. That's taking our own life. Um, I'm throwing abortion here. Um, every form of human beings intervening and stealing life is just murder. Killing a child is murder. Taking your own life is self murder. Killing another person is murder. So we don't want to be in a position where we're taking life, you know, in, in this sort of way, where we're taking things into our own hands. Um, since I said that, in fairness, obviously there's a distinction between murder and killing. Let me say that. So if someone's, you know, militarily, you know, killing or a police officer in a justified scenario protecting and someone dies or someone, you know, commits a crime that's deserving of death and they pay the penalty. There's a place for that as well. The Bible actually lays those things out. So, you know, but, but we're, we don't want to be taking things in our own hands that should be left in the Lord's hand with regard to our life. That's what Saul does here. Falls on a sword. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away that his last act, who's still leading, he was still acting as a leader and his armor bearer, after he saw that Saul was dead, said, well, I got to do what he did. He wasn't even fatally wounded. He might could have run off and got away somewhere. That's what I would have thought. Maybe you were the armor bearer, a younger guy. He's not been hit by the archers. Man, run away and hide. See if you can get away. Like, take your chances. But he said, well, my leader did it. And he just did what his leader did. Sad. Um, they both, both their lives end at that. So verse six now. So Saul, his three sons, his armor bearer, and all his men died together that same day. So they had a, they, they got whooped that day. Everybody got killed. Saul, his sons, his armor bearer, and his whole, everybody else that was with him, they all died that day. And so something I would just ask everybody to consider is as death is a reality, I really want to challenge us to consider our lives and the fact that they will end one day. Uh, I was I was reading someone on this and they were saying that when they were in Bible college, they had a um, pastoral training class and they had a pastor encourage them. If you you know, you get a lot of opportunities for weddings and funerals as a minister. They said, if you got to miss something, miss a wedding, but don't miss a funeral. And he thought, well, why? He said, because, you know, weddings are celebratory. If you miss it, they won't, they won't miss you. They're having a good time. They, they won't even notice you anyway. Um, but in death, he said a couple things. One, if you miss, miss a funeral, uh, you miss an opportunity to be there with people in a time where they're, really, they're in need. So you don't want to miss that. But he also said, every time you, you're at a funeral, you're confronted with your own mortality. It's healthy. It's healthy to sit there and listen. This, you, as you as you as you pastors, you do funerals, you're listening to funerals, you're watching, saying, "Man, that, that it's, it's over. Their life ended," and you're listening to what was left. And I've sat in funerals where 
the testimony of everybody there says they didn't make it. They didn't make it. Now, the people are encouraging themselves. They're telling funny stories. And I, I, I remember doing a funeral for someone in my family, the, the, a friend of someone in my family. And, you know, I don't know if this person is a believer or non-believer. I got actually the funeral and I get there. And so I'm learning about him as the people come up and share. And what I learned was he grew his own weed. He made his own wine. And that's what everybody knew him as. He was uh, he, he provided weed and wine to everybody. Every story was somebody coming up to say, and I'm like, while it all, it seems funny and people are like, oh man, he, you know, I'm going to miss his, this. And it's like, yeah, he probably didn't make it. You know, you probably didn't make it being the weed man, alcohol man to the community. You know, um, I want you to consider, right? Consider your life and not in a, not in a, a weird way, but I mean, sometimes it's healthy to consider, man, if I die, God, what is my, what is my life? What have I left? What's, What's, what have I left behind me? You know, what testimony have I left? What, what have I done with this life? What have I said to people? What have I done? What, what's left? And is it what I want? Because we're not dead yet, we can still, you know, we can get to, if you look and think, man, I, I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like the picture that I would be. If it was today, I don't like that funeral. Well, you got some time left because you ain't dead yet. Amen. And that's why this message is for you, right? That you can, you can consider your life and think, man, I, I, you know, I want to I want to make sure I'm living for what matters. I've also been in funerals where people who live so soundly for the Lord. And I, I'm going to just share one that I remember it blessed me. There is a lady that came to my old church. So this is years ago, people that we don't know. But she came and she said, my brother had passed away. Her brother had passed away two months earlier. And there was so much turmoil in the family that they didn't even provide a funeral for him. And she said, and I just feel so bad about it. I'm supposed to be a Christian. Blah, blah, blah. So I, I want to do a funeral. Could you guys do a funeral for my brother? And we said, sure. So we, you know, we're working on things. We're getting information from her. The brother used to be a biker, you know, biker gang guy. He got radically born again, like radically saved. And then he completely flipped. And he was preaching the gospel to everybody in the family. And they all turned on him. And so he was part of this big ministry where the bikers would go out and share the gospel and all this stuff. And he had his church family people. And um, so as people came up one by one, so all the people that there were people that he led to the Lord that came. There were people in his biker club that came. There were guys that knew him before he got saved that saw him after every testimony said, wow, I, I wish I had met this guy because his life had been so, it was, you, you, they were testifying of a radical conversion. Every, every person, even those that were mad at the change, were still saying there was a radical conversion. That made that funeral so fun to preach. Because I'm, I'm, his life preached already. His whole life said, I was once like this, real hard. And then I met the Lord and I've been going that way, real hard. And then he got sick and he died. But the confidence that he was with the Lord and that he had not wasted his days. Um, and I knew it wasn't wasted because I'm listening to the testimony. People are saying, oh, man, he shared this and he led me to the Lord. He discipled my grandson and he did this over here. And this guy was just going for it. And he had shared with his family. Um, rather, they, they hadn't received it or whatever, but he had shared with them. And, um, you know, they, they had fallen on deaf ears. But it looked like at the end, the Lord got his sister. And the secretary at the church that did all the work for the funeral got to one, got to do Titus two, got the disciple, this, the sister that came. And I thought, man, he, he's even gone and it's still working, still working. And so, again, I'm encouraged and I'm encouraging you guys 
we got one life, and my pastor used to say this, it's only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them, rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered, or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.